nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski, slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. It's seven. It's heaven for Lewis Hamilton. He finally is a seven-time world champion. At last, time the great Michael Schumacher. And what a Turkish GP this was. This, of course, the biggest story from the race. But stay tuned, folks. Lots of other important things to discuss. Welcome along then, folks, to Pits to Podium. It's time for our post-race debrief. My name is Soma Lerura, and as always, I'm joined here by Kunal Shah. And I love doing this part, particularly, introducing Kunal, because it makes me feel really, really happy to be sharing a stage along with someone who's known so much about the sport, who's done so much in the sport. He was working in the marketing side of Force India, at the very top, I must say, for a few years. He was an ex-racing driver. He now works on the VSAT TV network in Norway. He's a man who knows it all then. So, Kunal, very, very firstly, how, how do you react to this? What a win it was to Lewis Hamilton. And just in the most uncertain circumstances. I mean, we couldn't have thought that from P6, Hamilton would come up and win in this particular fashion. But he has, and he's tied the great Michael Schumacher. Yes, Samil, first things first, I can't get over how well you are in opening these episodes as well. You know, it's just so natural and so impromptu. So it's my pleasure to be sharing the stage with you as well. And uh, talking about the race, uh, you know, uh, none of us thought that this is the kind of race we would get. And that's sort of becoming the norm in 2020, isn't it? Suddenly, every couple of races, we have this one race and we're like, okay, wow, what on earth was that? And, you know, I keep going back to what, what you and I have been talking that this is like MotoGP, you know, we keep having these fantastic races, which are unpredictable, entertaining, which not always is the truth for Formula One. Yeah. But then we still have, you know, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton keep adding to their record time. And again, 94th Grand Prix, 7th Formula One World Championship. I don't think there is any record of, you know, Michael Schumacher's, which Lewis yeah. Hamilton hasn't surpassed already or I'll put it any popular record you know I'm sure I'm sure Sundaram and Nityanand from our team at Pits to Podium will dig into the statistics and go like no that's one record which goes to Michael (laughs) but the truth is uh, you know Lewis is literally rewriting um, the record books and I think we you and I and all of us listening watching uh, you know are extremely lucky to see history being made Somal. Absolutely. I mean, a few years down the line, we will look back and say, wow, that was something rather special. At this stage, yes, I mean, you can't be blamed for being bored at certain points of time, thinking that's the same person who's winning time and again, but just take a step behind. 94 Grand Prix victories, seven world championships, and what is it, 500 points crossed by Mercedes already? It's just... It's just beyond my understanding. And I think the same can be said for our pit stop moment for today. I mean, what was really symbolic for me, Lewis Hamilton lapping Valtteri Bottas, who spun a total of six times today. That's the number. Uh, it just goes to show that even with the best car, 
Hamilton is just a country mile away from everyone else. It's just amazing to see. You know, this result and this performance, I would say, at the 2020 Turkish Grand Prix will go a long way in laying rest to those, you know, very claims that people have that, hey, Lewis is doing what he's doing because he's always been in a Mercedes and he's had the most dominant car. But it's days like today that literally separate him from, say, the likes of Valtteri Bottas. Of course, it's just one race where we are making such a comparison. But like you said, from P6, and, and given how, you know, Mercedes have not been the fastest car all weekend, uh, he managed to score a win, a surprise win. He managed to overrule the team on certain decisions based on his experience, based on his race craft, yeah, exactly. based on his tire management to take the win, to, to, to do things that only Sergio Perez, you know, could do otherwise. <laughs> and, and then shock us all by, by claiming a, a victory because there was a point of time when he couldn't even overtake Sebastian Vettel on track for several laps at end. And exactly. then suddenly... You know, in a, in a change of uh, events, you know, given all the experience that he, he dug into and, of course, luck and talent both, he came out on top. So, brilliant race for Lewis Hamilton goes a long way, uh, like we said, you know, into proving that it is also his talent along with the might of the Mercedes team that's helped him build on his legacy in Formula One. And, uh, Somil, this is also easily his, you know, one of his best championship winning races, you know, yeah. I would say in, in all the seven that he would have had. No, I agree. I completely agree. Lewis Hamilton has just been on top of the world. And if there's one thing that really comes to mind from this particular race, one image, apart from the one where he lapped Bottas, of course, after the race, when Hamilton came in and parked his car, the celebrations aside, just look at the tyre. The intermediate tyre had literally been converted into a slick. And that is something that's really outrageous. Again, that's the one reason, I think one of the main reasons why Lance Stroll lost. More of that later. But nevertheless, it was just insane. Absolutely mind-blowing to see what these guys did. And you know, I just get fascinated by him all the time. Every single race that goes past, you just have to step back, look at Lewis Hamilton and say, wow, this driver is maybe not even once in a generation, once in what, 40, 50 odd years? It's amazing what he's done. But nevertheless, Kunal, there were other big, big things from the race. And I know most of the people watching would love to know our say on that because it was just too chaotic. But if you had to pick one pitch to podium moment from this one, which one would it be for you? I would say it would, it would be Checo Perez, you know. Ah, given, yes. the, given the pressures he's going through to get a drive in 2021, Given the fact that he knows he's the better driver, he's, he's scored, he's fought in the driver's championship now, which is the highest he's ever been. And, you know, given that he lost pole position yesterday, he drove so consistently. He made the same strategy work as Lewis Hamilton did. And, yeah. you know, if, if I may just open my tire sheets data, Lewis Hamilton's, uh, uh, you know, intermediate tire went 53 laps. And the driver who went the second longest was actually Danny Kvyat with 49 laps and then was Checo Perez with 48 laps. So, you know, Perez, again, digging into all his experience to keep second place, I would say. And, you know, he was, he was under threat all along from Max Verstappen. We saw that battle from, uh, you know, he was under threat from Alexander Albin. The last lap was also under threat from Charles Leclerc. But yeah. You know, he kept his cool like he always does to keep uh, to to grab P two and become, I think, the twelfth driver uh, this uh, 
season to get onto the podium, along with Fettel becoming the 13th yes. driver to make it to the podium. How you know, lucky for some, unlucky for unlucky for some, and lucky for Fettel. <laughs> exactly. You see those smiles? These are real smiles. It's been so long since Sebastian Vettel put in a performance like this one. And everyone, I mean, literally everyone may have made a couple of mistakes here and there. Verstappen with that significant one, Stroll not able to turn the tyres on, Checker was essentially flawless, but Lewis wasn't also able to get past Sebastian Vettel. But the two drivers that really did an excellent job today have to have to be Sergio Perez and Sebastian Vettel. And interestingly, it's a really fun fact. While the race, after the race is over, in fact, we usually have a discussion within the Pittsburghian group about who was our driver of the day, and everyone was just torn apart between these two names. In the end, it was Sergio who got the vote, but Sebastian Vettel, oh, I feel all warm and fuzzy today. I feel good <laughs> after a while. Where did he start, Kunal? Was it, what, B11? Brilliant performance in Yes, yes. What a performance. And ironically, both the drivers uh, who made it to the podium, apart from Lewis Hamilton, have been fired from their respective team <laughs> this season. So, you know, yeah. I- irony isn't definitely lost on the, on, on, <laughs> on the guys who decide the podium, on, on all the powers that decide who gets onto the podium, I would say. That's amazing. But what really struck me today about Sebastian Vettel was that usually in these conditions, there's one rather unholy word that a lot of the internet Formula 1 community tends to shower upon. It's called Spinala with a B. I mean, I'm sure all of you know of it by this point. And everyone else made major mistakes like him. In fact, people said Vettel would spin out in its wet conditions. He would do a Hockenheim 2018, but he didn't. He kept calm. He kept his composure. And interestingly enough, Kunal, the last lap, Charles Leclerc, who we shall get to immediately after that because he was excellent throughout the race. He made that move on Sergio Perez, couldn't quite get it done. Of course, Perez holding his nerves and Sebastian very pulled a sneaky. And then he got P3 in the end. I was jumping like a little kid. <laughs> you know, nobody would have envisaged that from happening. And, you know, uh, you've just, you've just uh, evoked a lot of thoughts. You know, it's about Leclerc, it's about Perez, it's about Fettel. But yes, like you, like you said, you know, the conditions were too tricky for Fettel to not uh, fall uh, prey to them. But, you know, he would have probably thought to himself, this is my time to prove everyone, including yeah. myself, wrong. This is too easy to spin. I'm not going to spin today, you know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it intact. And, I'm, you know, this was one of those races. And I'm, I'm assuming a lot, of, a lot of people, including you, might just agree with, uh, with, my, with what I'm going to say, is when Hamilton was chasing Fettel, most of us assumed two things would happen. Hmm. Hamilton would either easily overtake Fettel, given the might of the Mercedes, and thankfully there was... I know the second. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully there was no DRS there. And the second was that, oh, if that doesn't happen, Fettel is just going to go and spin himself out of contention. And, well, none of that happened, and pretty pleasing to see him there. It's unfortunate that, you know, Fettel, of course, had a delayed pit stop, and hence that, it, that allowed uh, uh, Verstappen and even Leclerc to get ahead of him. So. He will, he will view the fact that, you know, he was stationary for a couple of seconds longer than he would have probably liked. But, you know, at the end of the day, P3 and a podium, his first podium of 2020, I'm sure he's going to grab it with both hands. He's going to grab it with both hands. And what's rather funny about the situation is that on the podium, Sergio Perez was given a German flag and Sebastian Vettel was converted into Hermano Sebastian Vettel with a Mexican flag. It all got swapped around, but all in good heart, everything. It's good to see Vettel right there. And in fact... Uh, let's come to Charles Leclerc. 
And Sean Leclerc immediately makes me think of one thing that we have discussed quite a bit in significance on the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast and on Pitch the Podium, and it has to be tyres. Now, Charles Leclerc, every single time that the tide seemed to be turning, every single time we thought that, okay, maybe it's about time for a tire change or perhaps for a change in the surface where someone else can go up and capitalize on this, it was Charles Leclerc all the time. I mean, he set in countless fastest laps. He was, the, I think, the first person to transition excellently from the wets to the inters, and then he made the second inter stop work as well. He was just phenomenal. And what do you have to say about the whole conundrum that went on with the tyres canal? Because at one point, everyone was torn apart between thinking, yeah, is it the wets that are working the best or is it the intermediates? And in fact, at one time, even Red Bull were confused. That's why they left Verstappen out for far too long. You know, I think Charles just benefited a bit from the very fact that he wasn't running in the top uh, fighting positions. So he he was you know free enough or he didn't feel as much pressure and the team didn't feel as much pressure to sort of make the right call, mm-hmm. uh, you know and like for example uh, you know for the longest the top five just refused to go and pit because you know they they had they had far more to lose uh, by yeah. making a wrong call than than you know otherwise so uh, like you said Charles made two great pit stops and that sort of got him back into uh, contention. Uh, phenomenal racing by him, and I loved his post-race uh, uh, radio message. You know, yeah. very cursing himself. He was so self-critical. He's he apologized to the team. He said, "I should have, you know, I did a shit job, if you know that's the word I could at least use." And and then he went and congratulated Sebastian Vettel for getting that uh, podium finish. So, all in all, you know, uh, great for Ferrari. I think third and fourth is their uh, best finish that they have scored. Uh, in 2020, hmm. uh, they are now within striking distance uh, to uh, Renault as well. And, you know, yeah. of course, given how P3, P4 is so closely fought, there's a, there is a six uh, points gap between Ferrari in sixth and Renault in fifth. And, and then, you know, of course, 13 points further up is McLaren, who also actually had a very, very good race out there. Yeah. Uh, more on this later on. Stick by. We, we shall be coming to it after the next couple of points, which are quite critical in this case. And the next thing that I would like to bring up is, who, what do you do if you launch Stroll? Uh, it must all be weighing down on your shoulders. I mean, say what you want to. He, he must be a rich kid with a rich father who's bought him his Formula One seat and a whole team for himself. Call it whatever you want to, but he's still a young lad who's doing his own job, trying to do the best that he possibly can. And it must be heartbreaking for him because that was essentially a win in the bag. He was 10 seconds ahead of Sergio Perez after the first pit window, and then it all just unraveled. Lewis Hamilton caught everyone up. That disaster of a pit stop, not of the execution, but just because of what happened after that. So do you think Racing Point were just, I don't know, far too wrong in that case, or did they just have to roll the dice? Because in that circumstance, it did seem like the impending threat of Lewis Hamilton was far too big to ignore. You know, they were they were caught in again in a situation where if you act, you could be wrong, and if you don't act, you could yeah. also be wrong. And everyone picked up the cue of what you know Charles Leclerc did because you know he he brought on the new inters and it sort of gave him good pace. But you know, at the end of the day, maybe it was just uh, you know racing point splitting and deciding okay, maybe it is favored to take a second pit stop and and give the new inters to to stroll because he was leading the race ahead of uh, Checo Perez and let Checo you know be on the old tires and see how that pans out uh, 
And, you know, it was probably just a case of, uh, you know, the fact that Lance Stroll just couldn't get those inters into working range out there. And I remember, I think, closer to the end of the race when Valtteri had one of his several pit stops on new inters, he was six seconds off. Lewis's uh, 40-odd, 45-odd lap uh, old inter tyres. So, you know, it was, it was at that time, I'm sure they thought it was the right thing to do. They wouldn't have known that it would be difficult to switch the tyres back on. And then maybe it was also a case of, you know, experience where Lance Stroll is, you know, relatively young with a relative, uh, he's fairly, fairly new to Formula One still, despite this being, I think, his fourth or fifth season. And it just showed, you know, the exasperation of sort of seeing that the race is going away from you. It came across on the radio messages, it came across in how he was trying to overtake and defend and, you know, he was probably just lost at sea, a little disappointed, I would say. Uh, and like you said, you know, one would be so because after you pull out such a, a strong performance in, in qualifying and you start uh, P1 and you're leading till almost halfway distance to the race, you, exactly. you certainly don't envisage uh, losing out on at least a podium finish, you know, but here he finished, I think, P9, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, P9. I've actually got a question about uh, Lance Stroll and about this whole circumstance that happened with the intermediate tyres. Uh, two questions, actually. Firstly, why? Why was Charles Leclerc able to make this work and Lance Stroll wasn't? And secondly, uh, what do you have to say about the whole situation about the intermediate tyres being converted into slicks, essentially? Because at any other circuit, they would have taken the gamble. They would have gone to slick tyres and said, OK, it's good enough. But for this Istanbul Park, there was just a bit of a, bit of a trepidation, you could see, within the teams about the surface being far too slippery uh, what do you have to say about this and how did they actually make it work towards the end? Uh, you know, okay, so since you mentioned first about Leclerc and him being able to switch on tyres and stroll not, it could be just down to how, you know, the cars were set up at that time, how the conditions were suiting that particular setups, uh, you know, that the cars had, as well as the drivers sort of dialing themselves into the circuit. Because let's remember the, the track was evolving really fast, okay, mm-hmm. and just to give you an example about track evolution, and this is something Sebastian Vettel complained about in qualifying. You know, he, he was saying that the track evolved, but Ferrari's car didn't evolve to the track. So Ferrari didn't end up going quicker, mm. uh, you know, in, in qualifying yesterday as the track evolved. And that was probably the case with Lance Stroll. Again, it's, it's, a, it's, an estimate, it's, it's an estimation that I'm making. But to then talk about your second point is, is actually what I was actually going to bring up as well, you know. Had the Turkish Grand Prix been a dry race, okay, would it have been a far more disaster for Formula One and for the drivers than, you know, it being a wet race? Because the dry tires that were too hard to get switched on and too hard to let the drivers be on track, they they feel far more comfortable on the intermediates and, and the wet tires. So, you know, testimony to the fact that there wasn't a single safety car period. I think we had yeah. one virtual safety VSC, car. Yeah. yeah. So interesting that we reach a race where the wet conditions are actually far more manageable than the dry conditions. And uh, let's go slightly deeper into this because I think it's something that really intrigues me and I'm sure it'll intrigue quite a few other fans listening to this as well about the surface. What was it with the surface? I mean, we know it was smoother. But that sort of a thing just feels very bizarre where cars are far more stable 
when they have a mixture of slicks and intermediates, because of course the, the center of the tire, the tread mainly was slicked on, but the sides were still, uh, they still had the treads over on there. Uh, what, what was that all about? I, I was quite keen to know how these you know, things are working out. Mario Isola actually pointed it out pretty well, and I don't exactly remember, but he said that the stones that were used in the resurfacing were of a different type, and that just mm. made an extra smooth surface. And the bitumen was still coming out up on the surface, making you know the oil uh, come out on the patch, and and just making it all extra slippery. And that's what was causing the troubles that everyone was facing. So, uh-huh. and, and you know, it, I'll put it this way: we had an entertaining race, uh, and uh, this is what Formula One needs. But just how we got here isn't the right solution. It's not that from mm. tomorrow we should just resurface all the circuits <laughs> with this and get the same hard compound tires and just make it as unpredictable as, as we can. That's unfortunately not the fix that Formula One needs. Exactly. We're banking so, so hard on 2022 right now. Can't even emphasize how much. But that aside, uh, all that deep, deep chat about the tires and the surface aside, let's focus more on the big losers, I would say, of this race. And I wouldn't exactly say, uh, I think losers won't be the right word, but perhaps the team that would be wondering what could have been. Because at certain points, it looked like Red Bull Racing could win with either of their drivers. Verstappen making errors, Albon making that unforced error. In fact, I want to start with Alex Albon firstly, because that is something that really stuck with me from this race. After Verstappen's spin and the potential investigation of the penalty, which still is going on right now, uh, at the time of recording, of course, there was a certain feeling that this could be Alex Albon's moment. There were rumors going around that Sergio Perez could be the one replacing Alex Albon at Red Bull. This was the one defining performance that he needed to solidify all rumors, put it all to bed, winning this race, or at least even getting second or third. That didn't happen. He spun on his own unforced error, unfortunately. Yeah, unforced error to, you know, quote our friends from the world of tennis. But uh, somehow he just seemed to revel in the low grip conditions in Turkey because he was pretty much on the pace through free practice sessions. Yeah. And, you know, matching Max Verstappen in the race pace. And, uh, uh, you know, both the Red Bull drivers uh, were pretty easy. Um, and uh, it, it was very heartening to see Max Verstappen be able to do things in the Formula One car that pretty much no other driver was able to do at that particular point. And... I was, of course, reading lots of tweets and people were calling out Max for being hasty and impatient and mm. making a mistake. But, uh, you know, that's just who Max Verstappen is. You know, when it works, it looks so beautiful. It's like yeah. poetry in action. And when it doesn't, you, 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 we can't fault the guy for trying. I mean, he's a racing car driver and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, he, he gave it a shot when he did. But going back to Alexander Albon, you know, uh, a very, very good performance, just that the result doesn't necessarily, mm. uh, you know, say how, how good it was for him. He eventually came only seventh after those unforced errors, but he just seemingly, he seemed more comfortable around, uh, he, he seemed more comfortable in the car and, and around Max Verstappen's pace in general. Mm. If there's one thing that you can credit Albon for, that this weekend he really was up there with Max Verstappen, who's supposedly a master in the wets, which he is. But just to see Albon being right there and coming closer, challenging Max Verstappen, that is what we like to see. We hope that there's more good stuff in the pipeline for Alex Albon. But then let's move on to two other drivers who were just superb. They made the best of whatever they had. Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, McLaren, a lovely race. 
And towards the end, there was a genuine chance that Carlos Sainz could be on the podium. Didn't work out, of course. It would take far too many errors from far too many drivers up ahead. But he was just right there, just what, five tenths of a second behind. Excellent stuff. Yes, excellent stuff. Uh, you know, um, McLaren were actually on the back foot because both their drivers had grid penalties hmm. leading up to the race because of various uh, infringements that they had, you know, uh, through, through the weekend. So to see both of them get into the points and be so competitive, you know, as the race sort of uh, moved on, uh, it's pretty heartening. It also makes the constructors' championship pretty, pretty interesting. I would say, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that uh, Renault didn't have as much of a score; they got just one point. Uh, when we actually thought that Renault would score more points, it was just unfortunate that Ocon's uh, race ended at the at turn one itself. Yeah. So it was, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, overall, uh, I would say McLaren did fairly well to, uh, you know, to correct the situation. Uh, you know, at, at the end, they, they finished, uh, they finished, I think, fifth and eighth. And I yeah. think they had the fastest lap. So that's a fair amount of points. And, you know, uh, the gap to, uh, I think, racing point is down to maybe five points or something for P3. So a race where they wouldn't uh, have been necessarily as strong they still managed to salvage their position in the Constructors' Championship song. It should be epic, this battle that's going to go on towards the very end for the midfield. But in the end, what a race it was at Turkey. It's a shame that the track's not going to be back here next year. But still, uh, maybe sometimes it's good as a one-off. Maybe we can hold fond memories. There was this one race at Turkey where we saw Lewis Hamilton probably be the greatest of all time and see some excellent performances in the end. You just can't be disappointed. If, if, you're not, if you're not happy with this race, you're probably lying towards the end. Or you're just unhappy that you missed it because it was just that good. But nevertheless, it was a pleasure having you on, folks, to listen. Thank you so much for being here, Kunal. Uh, it, it's always, always a pleasure doing these post-race debrief videos. And folks, don't forget to like this video, to subscribe to Pitch the Podium and to the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, and to share this video with the fellow Formula 1 fans. And if you can, follow us on our social handles. It's at Kunal Shaw on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, at I am Samuel with, with, with an O-U, not an A-U. <laughs> Once again, folks, next up is Bahrain. We're going to have two races over there in the normal layout, and then the, the, the bonkers oval layout that we're going to have. But it should be fun towards the end, shouldn't it? Absolutely, Samuel. It's going to be fun, and... Uh... I think people are looking forward to the second race in Bahrain a little yes. more than the first one. But uh, let's just wait and see how entertaining it, it can get. Because Bahrain has entertained us several times in the past. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally looking forward to the, the next two races. Should be awesome. Once again, folks, thank you for watching. And we shall see you for the next video on Pitch the Podium. Bye-bye. Thanks, Samit. Bye-bye. Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.